0: episode of Citing the Tone, an AR retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 7, Episode 6, which is titled The Visit. The episode aired on November 16th in the year 2000. I can read dates. The year... It's okay, I almost
1: forgot to say hello, so we're off to
0: a great start. What was going on that week 22 years ago, Warren?
1: Uh, President Bill Clinton becomes the first U.S. president to visit Vietnam since the U.S. withdrew its military forces in 1973. Charlie's Angel staves off newcomers Little Nicky, oh, Men of Honor <laughs> and Red Planet to hold on to the box office crown for a second week. Look. As a 10-year-old, I was obsessed with Little or 8-year-old, I was obsessed with Little Nicky.
0: I saw it
2: once and I never needed
0: to see I it. I should again. not have been yeah. watching it as a
1: child and and
2: I, I know we've said it a lot, but like I do feel like this is a maybe a definitive uh, line for me of where I was like I think I'm done with Adam Sandler. I don't think I yeah. need this. I don't think yeah. I need this anymore.
1: I had low enough standards as an eight-year-old that I still enjoyed it. And not men, anymore. I could not watch it now, but... And
0: Men of Honor and Red Planet were on TNT and TBS all the time when I was a kid.
1: Mm. And, with arms wide open, by everyone's favorite Christian rock band, Creed, is your new number one song for the week. Alter Bridge is way better, according to Lizzie. Yes. I have it's no cre- idea what that means, It's but Creed okay.
0: minus their lead singer. Okay. Oh, boy. Yikes. So, they're the, they do uh, edges theme songs.
1: Okay, Daniel, what else was on?
2: At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with Ross's Library Book. At 8.30, Cursed with the episode And Then He Had to Give a Thumbs Up. At 9 p.m., Will and Grace with the episode Gypsies, Tramps, and Weed. Wow, Uh, that hasn't aged well. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) we're just going to... I don't write them, I just read them. Yep, Uh, just
0: just have a racial slur in there. Sweet, awesome. At
2: 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. Uh, This week's episode had 31 million viewers tuning in, directed by Jonathan Kaplan, doing his 15th out of 40. Uh, Last time we saw him this season was Homecoming, the season premiere. And written by showrunner John Wells, doing his 19th out of 32. And uh, previous ones from last season from him uh, included Such Sweet Sorrow and The Peace of Wild Things. Uh, and a, first, a few uh, housekeeping notes uh, to note as we get into the episode here. This was the first episode uh, to be broadcast in widescreen. Hey, uh, and, welcome uh, to 16
0: by 9 land, bitches.
2: Apparently, they made a big deal out of um, uh, it, this being the first network show to be broadcast in widescreen as well. Oh, really? I know uh, that. Whether or not that part is true, that, that might be in some dispute, uh, but... Um, if it was not the first, it was certainly one of the first.
0: Probably um, easily the biggest.
2: Right. Probably easily the biggest and probably had the biggest audience. Uh, but yeah, so we're we're mo- making the move into widescreen. It'll be interesting to see when we get to the HD era if this is also one of the first shows to make the leap into HD when we get there. Um and I mean, uh, the way
0: it's filmed. It's easy. It's super easy to do. Right. Both. Yeah.
2: Which we we talked about that in the season premiere. That like they've been sort of softly preparing for this the whole time. They've been filming the show in widescreen all along, and it's now they're just now. Uh, making it available on the broadcast so Uh, Jonathan Kaplan was nominated for an Emmy for his direction of this episode uh, and keeping with our theme this season of alternate titles apparently uh, we've had like I think four out of the six uh, have had an alternate title Uh, this one is uh, original title was I loved you God how I loved you and Mm, the visit the visit is much better let's just stick with that
0: much better all right, our previous Leon was brought to us by Corday this week, and we opened the episode with uh, Luca just sort of processing life in slow motion. It's, it's a really weird shot, mm. but, like, a real... I I mean, I liked it. As I, who, I, liked, it,
2: I, I <laughs> liked it in the small dose in which they used it. I think if they'd have pushed yeah. it any further or if they'd have gone back to it over and over again, I would have gotten tired of it, but at the very oh, yeah, small yeah. dose that we get, I'm fine with.
0: Just, that's yeah. all you need to established lucas mental state mm-hmm. Yeah, for this episode so uh but a young man is being a chin gets his attention you know, a young man is being wheeled in his hand was shot off via a shotgun point at point blank range uh the young man is a drug dealer and maluchi walks in and lovely is this the episode where we lose maluchi yep oh yeah
2: <laughs> this, is, this is
0: where yeah. we, at, we as a fan base the wheels come off on the Malucci train i,
2: I think he's pretty close to irredeemable by the end of this episode but <laughs> yeah
0: uh well he opens he says whoa someone won't be playing the flute anytime soon after he sees the kid's hand mm-hmm. and keeps uh sassing the guy but because they're going through his pockets because he was followed in by a police officer being a drug dealer and all um the and he keeps asking the guy about all the like the different drugs he finds in the pockets of his pants, and they find a gun and all this other stuff. Cut. And from the like, from the look of it, was this his? his so his his uh, hand was just shot off, like, like at the wrist. Yeah. pretty
2: much. Yeah, they said he was uh, shot point blank with a shotgun. Like in the hand, I would imagine it's probably a defensive thing. Like he probably put his hand up to block it, and it just blew his hand clean off.
0: Severed the hand off. Yeah,
2: because yeah. you're there's really, I mean, barring a couple of ligaments, like there's really not a whole lot holding your hand to your wrist. <laughs> so, mm. like, there's a lot of floating bones in the wrist. There's not very much that's fused together. So, I would imagine probably not that hard to blow a hand off of a wrist clean.
0: Is that why you can just go eh, limp wrist?
2: Yeah, sure the cool. somebody somebody refresh my memory or con- confirm my memory was carter's uh I, I don't know what you want to call it carter's sponsored kid that he had last season or the season before was he a flute player like was this some kind of weird callback to that like me- remember the idea. remember the kid he had yeah. for a couple of episodes but who i don't was think so getting into trouble in the street like was i mean it wasn't it wasn't the same kid obviously no. but like being that John Wells is the one that wrote this episode, it makes me wonder if this is some, like, twisted callback in his mind no, to that little... I don't little... think so.
1: I do not believe so. But um, that would have been a very good catch and very interesting if it had been. And But um, Carter is in an AA meeting, and he is doing the crossword as someone is up front sharing. Abby looks over and is watching him do the crossword and is very clearly not thrilled with this. Cool. Uh, Benton scolds Malucci out by the elevators for his behavior and traumas with patients. He says, we need to treat them with the utmost respect. And he goes, what? They're just bangers. So this, this is just his word of the day. Yep. And, um, Benton's like, nope, they're people. And he goes, okay, Dr. Pete. No, he does
2: not say Pete. You didn't he didn't even say Dr. Pete. Okay, he
0: just says, okay Pete.
1: okay, Pete. Okay. But then, um.
2: Which did school- didn't they go through that little yep. sparring yep. match when he first showed up? Yeah. He, he called he him ar- Pete.
1: He knows it bothers Benton. That's why he does it here. But Benton's like, nope. Doctor Benton. Cool. Um, So that's just setting them up for success this episode. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to the AA meeting. Abby asks Carter if he'd prefer to go to a different meeting location that has more um, NA people. So more addicts. And he gets defensive and says, nope, I'll share tomorrow. I'll sure share tomorrow. This isn't my first meeting. I'll get up and share tomorrow if you want me to. I pee in a cup. I take my meds. I'll share tomorrow. He says it like five times.
0: Mm-hmm. He's cl- clearly starting to get fed up with the whole...
1: Yeah. The regiment. Yeah.
0: In, in
2: his mind, he's cured.
1: Yep. And then we are in with Twinkles. Woo-hoo! I'm sure that won't come,
0: come back to bite him in the ass. I yeah, no, never. Never. never.
1: And then we go over to Abby in the lounge and she is catching up with Chen. Chen asks if Abby and Luca are still dating and how Luca's doing because she noticed he's been a little distracted. And I just wanted to note here, why is Abby getting into her purple OB scrubs if she's working down in the ER? Like, I feel like she would have scrubs up in the OB locker room for if mm. she was up in the, up in OB and then she would have the, I can't remember what color they're on right now.
2: Like peach or
0: something like that.
1: They,
2: they've sort of actually like, they've sort of dropped the, um, like nurses all wearing the same color thing. Like they haven't done that in a long time, but I just,
1: the, sorry, the purple just feels like so much like her obu. Oh, it does for sure.
2: I I mean, and like, it is just sort of, I think at a certain point, especially Abby, the nurse, this Mm -hmm. is just sort of their wardrobe for her. Like they sort of just stick with this forever and they never really update it to indicate that she's moved down to... Because the, ha- I think they did mention last episode that she has now officially like assigned to the ER rather than just being floated down from OB.
1: Oh, I thought she was still floating at Carrie's request. I didn't realize it had been an official assignment. Yeah. So maybe I just missed that.
2: I'm going to assume
0: that Romano's just that cheap that he doesn't want to <laughs> yeah. give her another set of scrubs at the cost of the hospital. That could be it, could too. Could be. But anyway, uh, we got our whole... We love a good... Uh, we love a good uh,
1: Admit desk
0: Admit party? Da- Admit desk party. Sorry. Words are escaping me today. Um, which is great for a podcast. I love it. <laughs> but uh, Mark is worried about the calm before the storm with how quiet the ER is. and Not the the figurative storm. Not a literal storm. That's a few episodes. That's, that's when his baby is born. Not when his baby is born. That's when he gets married. That's a storm. Um, Carrie tells Frank to call security because there's a homeless man who fell asleep in the linen closet. And Frank... <sighs> frank god damn it frank he grabs a billy club like just a big wooden billy club
1: i i just i called it a billy club i don't know if that's what it's like oh like it, a, to handle. Yeah, it, it was definitely
0: yeah it was definitely okay. a billy club yeah um which carried promptly confiscates rightly don't frank don't harass the homeless please
1: yeah
0: um Mark reminds Carrie, apparently, for the second or third time, that he's off at six on the dock today because he's going out of
1: town. She makes it sound like it's been like 12 times when he emphasizes that, oh, this is only the second I've told you. <laughs> so.
0: No, Romano walks in and gives um, Mark a hard time for taking time off. And he's like, no, I put the request weeks ago. I don't know.
1: If you request to not be on call, I'm sure they can put it up, like, well in advance to make yeah. sure you're off. Yeah.
0: Uh, but... Dave tells uh, Luca that Frank is har- off harassing the homeless because Luca walks in and is like, hey, Frank, can you give me this? Wait, Frank? Where are mm. you? <laughs> mm. And Mark says, oh, yeah, old cop habits are hard to break. Oof.
2: Oof, Yeah.
0: Abby asks Luca if they can get lunch today because she's, she's trying to play the concerned theoretical romantic partner. Who knows what they are? <laughs> theoretical. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, carry us abby to page corday for a herniated disc in bed three
2: exam three sure that won't turn into anything uh multi-episode related or have a significant impact on current events no i didn't realize
0: lauren was on this episode
2: Uh, we'll get there a herniated disc in the low back yeah we'll get there uh But for now, we have to go to the Ambulance Bay, where only the best goddamn guest star in the history of the show is making her first appearance. Uh, One Miss Sally Field uh, playing, of course, uh, Abby's mom, Maggie Wazinski, uh, who is uh, showed up in the Ambulance Bay with some paper bags looking for the ER. And she follows a trauma in and asks where she can set up Uh, and Maggie breakfast. Yeah, she brought in bagels and orange juice and all kinds of goodies. Uh, she'd make my friends with me fast if, uh, yeah, if she was coming into my office. Uh, but of course Maggie here is played by actress Sally Field who appears in all sorts of shit. Uh, Forrest Gump, Steel Magnolia, Smokey and the Bandit, Lincoln, you name it. She's probably been in it and she was probably great in it. Uh, and she is making her first of 12 appearances here as Maggie through 2006, uh, it's so.
1: only 12. See, and yeah, I, I, I sort of had the, I
2: I had the opposite like Alan Alda reaction where I was like, damn, we're getting 12 out of her after Alan Alda was only four. I figured like, oh, we'll maybe get, you know, six out of uh, Sally Field. But to have 12, I was like, damn, she's sort of like it's going to be a question when we get to the end of the season. It's like, are are we classifying her as a guest star or a recurring character at that point? Because yeah. like she's kind of towing that line.
1: I think we can do guest star this season and then moving forward, recurring,
2: sure, sure, that might
1: be the compromise,
2: but uh, yeah, Sally field, I'm very, very excited to it's one of those moments where it's like, damn, we're here already, like we're we have arrived at this this mile post marker, like
0: can, can we just state now that? the best guest star award is like a best Sally field guest star. Like we're we're going to, yeah, we're going to have
2: to do another like voting for second place type of situation because it's fucking Sally field. Like she's, she is, there's a reason why we said that Alan Alda was the best guest star on the show in a Sally fieldless world, because she kind of gives him a run for his money as the best guest run on the show Mm -hmm. here.
1: And listeners, I'm going to apologize in advance for all of her appearances and because your girl grew up with this. Mm. Um, there are going to be a lot of personal anecdotes that I do have my sister's blessing to share. Uh, but yeah, I, I will delve in as we explore the character of Maggie in um, my my personal opinion on how she portrays her bipolar disorder. I, so I... I just want to put that oh sure addendum no. up it, front it, but it,
2: good good this is one that i mean i know you've had kind of circled on the calendar for a long time that this was mm-hmm. going to be a difficult storyline for you to get through and i think you'll be very surprised when we get to the listener responses how many people watch yeah. this with a similar lens as you have like they lizzie, it's a tough watch for a lot of people
1: lizzie will tell you i i had a strained face the entire both times we watched it. Mm-hmm. i was just if you can picture the emoji of it's like Colon L, where it's just a yeah. flat mouth. That was me the whole time, both times. I mean, it was just that intake of breath. Like, I kind
2: of had the same face, and I don't really have a ton of like up close and personal personal experience with this yeah. kind. Of, I mean, that's how good she plays this mm-hmm. part. That like she truly does nail it.
1: Yeah, there's there's some nuanced stuff that I want to get into at the end of the episode. So don't let me forget. I started talking to Lizzie about it a little bit yesterday, but just I just want to disclaim. <laughs> Yeah. to our listeners that I apologize in advance for the trauma dumping. Please, please forgive no, me. No, <laughs> I think, I mean, and like I
2: said, based on the listener responses, I think a little bit of that is what people are are here for with mm-hmm. this storyline because there is such a, like, relatable component to it that even if you haven't necessarily dealt with it on a parental level, I'm sure mm-hmm. there's somebody in your life, in your family, you know, a friend, somebody, you can put your, you can put Maggie Wazinski, the character, mm. into somebody in your life that you've come in contact with and it is so very relatable on so many levels and she just once again is just sally fucking field like she just nails it t- to the damn wall it's so good yeah. um but we-, we will have plenty more opportunity to talk uh, about sally field and her greatness but for now uh, a young woman uh, is being brought in who passed out before school i believe her name is uh, Teresa. Uh, and it's her and her father being brought in, and uh, she has some abdominal pain. And as they're examining her, Luca has the dad leave the room to go get coffee so that he can uh, ask her if she's pregnant before she goes off to get her x-ray.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, we go over to an, ad- uh, an orphanage. Uh, yeah, I
1: couldn't tell what exactly it was. It was, you know, DCFS homes, yeah. something,
0: Something like that. Uh, but Chen's talking to someone about putting her child up for adoption and the representative says that it's rare for Asian women to offer up kids for adoption and they often end up changing their mind often at the last minute. However you want to stereotype that. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I don't have enough knowledge on the subject to be critical to or say, if... say, yeah, this is great. Yeah. But, um, yeah.
0: Uh, and it, But she also asked the key question that we addressed this episode is of is the father prepared to sign away his rights? Ruh!
1: And now I want to say, before we talk about who this adoption lady is, Uh I did try and do some cursory looking up because God forbid I forgot to ask Jake. And it sounds like in certain states, the father has to be on the birth certificate or be like the admitted father Mm. to have those assumed rights. Right. And like, if he's not in the mother's life at all, then these are kind of forfeit. So it mm. seems like there's kind of a gray area regionally depending on what your state's laws are for that.
2: Right. It yeah. Works out for the narrative. Uh yep. but our yeah, our adoption lady here is uh played by actress Catherine Paulone who appeared in stuff like The Ring and Ready to Rumble uh and is making her first out of two appearances. So assuming we're going to be seeing her once more.
1: Me over here realizing I haven't watched The Ring for forever. Well. That's going on my that's going on my Halloween list for Two months from now. <laughs> um, but then we go over. Carrie uh, sees Maggie setting up bagels in the lounge and tries to tell her it's for staff only as Maggie is just like, hold on, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Like, I'm still getting set up. Come back later. Just stream of talk, not letting Carrie get a word in edgewise. Just very hyped up to be here. Very excited. She's like, oh yeah, I'm setting all this out. You know, just it'll be ready in a minute. Malik comes in and is like, ooh, bagels. And just like tries to interrupt them to get some and Maggie's serving him and Carrie's like, nope, you really can't be in here. <laughs> and Maggie says, no, it's fine. My daughter works here. And Carrie stops and goes, your daughter? She's like, yeah, Maggie Wazinski. Lockhart. Maggie Lockhart.
0: Abby Lockhart?
1: Yep, that's what I meant. We got there. <laughs> Thank you. We got there. Post tattoo fatigue. I'm not doing great today, guys. Um, cool. Cool. But yeah. <laughs> You you all knew what I meant, but yeah, and Carrie just looks at her very dramatically, and then we cut to uh, commercial. Dun dun dun! Yeah. I'm and I'm I,
2: very here for how uh, excited Malik is for the bagels. Yeah, like, I mean that would be me. Like he's like, like you can just see the, the kind of give me free food. The disappointment in his face when he's dismissed by Carrie, like when she's like, "No no no, get out of here," and he's like, "But but bagels!" Like he's so also too. Well, I can't remember if it's here. I think it's. I don't think it's here. I think it's a little bit later. But like they, they're asking for psych consult eventually to come down mm-hmm. and check on this. It's a little bit, yeah, later, a little bit yeah. later. But given what happened in the ER last year when psych didn't come down, they're all extremely chill about the fact mm-hmm. that there is this woman that they think is a psych patient just roaming around the ER,
1: yep. o- ostensibly, with food.
2: ostensibly probably with a knife to cut these bagels. <laughs> like I was like, everybody's very chill about this.
1: Yikes! Yeah, and um, I
0: did look it up just briefly to mm-hmm. co- according to a couple different websites. It does Illinois does require 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 we'll to, uh to both parents. Okay, to consent.
1: Cool. So that makes sense then. Uh, yeah. I yep. I will get into Maggie in a bit, but for now, Lizzie is with her herniated disc patient. His name is Al, and he hurt his back surfing when he heard a pop. To which Abby rightly asks if he was surfing in Lake Michigan, which I'm glad she did because I was having that same thought. But he's actually in from out of town. He was in town for a sportswear convention. Where did he say he lived? I couldn't remember if it was Hawaii or New York. Hawaii.
2: Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii. Hawaii is where he lives, and Zambia is where he's from.
1: That's it. And uh, as they're looking Al over, uh, Frank pops in to tell Abby her mom is here, and he's like. And she's like, no, no, she's not. And he goes, nice lady, kind of a looker. <laughs> and everybody comments on how hot Sally Field is this episode. It's so funny. And Abby adamantly admits, that's not my mother.
2: She is an attractive woman.
1: Yeah, she's pretty.
2: And, I mean, still very much pulling it off, too. The red dress and everything. Like, she's, like, I ain't mad at you, Sally Field. Go ahead, girl.
1: God uh, damn, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also hate that when you said this patient's name was Al, my brain went, doo do, do, do. do.
2: Do, do,
1: do, do. It's such a good song. Yep, thank you. That'll get me through the rest of recording. All
2: right. Well, Al here is played by actor Alan Dale, who appeared in stuff like Priest, uh, Indiana Jones, and The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, and the Star Trek movie that Jake insists to his dying breath is good Star Trek Nemesis uh public perception would disagree with you on that uh but i have to to be able to rewatch. it's the one where tom hardy's the bad guy like before he was tom hardy like before everybody knew who tom hardy was the the it it came out in like 2002 i think so i just bought like
0: a 10 pack of movies on amazon for like like less
2: than 30 dollars
0: but that includes all of them so throw
2: it on and prove him wrong uh and uh al here is making his first of three appearances
0: then uh, we go back to Teresa in the trauma room. Luca clears her neck so that her brace can be removed. And the dad asks if they can go, you know, if she's okay. She has to get back to work. Um, she has a bruise by her eye. And Luca's like, we're going to do a full neurological workup just because she fainted and because she hit her head. We want to make sure. So the guy goes to make a phone call. The call worked and tell him like, hey, I'm not going to be in. Sorry, family stuff. Uh, and while he's uh while he's gone luca starts doing the neuro workup and discovers she has a ton of bruising on her back uh, and red flags ahoy
2: mm-hmm. yep not great bob uh, but uh, for now, we go back over to Maggie, who uh, is uh, getting a little impatient, asking how much longer Abby will be. And Frank politely lies and tells her that Abby is still with a patient. And uh, Dave, again, the the, the, the Maluchi Redemption tour ended at the end of last episode, by the way, in case you needed Damn a it. reminder. Like, we are now definitively in the dark Maluchi timeline uh, because uh, Dave is... Uh, Pete Gross here and uh, says that uh, it, or describes mother-daughter fantasies uh, with Frank uh, because uh, she thinks she's Abby's mom. Uh, or at least that's what they're led to believe at this point. Um, yeah. Not not great. Malooji. Although arguably probably maybe his best moment of the episode because everywhere everywhere else is so truly terrible that it's like this seems pretty benign by comparison uh but uh in any event Luca has called the cops uh, regarding Teresa because he thinks that the dad is abusing her we will circle back to that in just a bit
0: all right so let's go to our first um, of many Sally Field audio clips this episode and only five but still Uh, Carrie and Maggie are in the lounge once again.
3: Still no psych?
2: I could page them again.
3: Abby has no idea who she is.
2: Said she'd never seen her before.
3: Hi, hi. Well, I think the bagels were a big hit. Yes, you know, everybody now. Loves I put them.
2: everything in Ziploc bags. I put it in the refrigerator. It should stay fresh. Great. You can go in there whenever oh, you can want. You just stop you know, for one. I'm minute? almost
3: done. There was a lot of leftovers in there. I took them all out and threw them away. You can't leave stuff like yeah. that Maggie? in there. It really does Can Why? I talk to you for just a minute? Oh my God. Look how pretty you are. <sighs> You have a beautiful face. You just pick your hair back a little bit. Maggie, oh my god, the I bone structure is exquisite. Out there could I our work on you? Area. I, that's okay. what I do. Actually, I, no, listen. This is what I do. I can't have you back do. here I'm, by yourself, okay? Actually, I'm an artist and do collages and things mm-hmm. like that, but I do makeovers to make money. Good. I could make you
1: over. I cannot have you back here by yourself I'm waiting for Abby. Okay, it's just right across the hall. You won't miss her. There's sick people out there. Maggie, the thing is Abby says that you are not her mother. I'm her mother?
3: You know, why don't we gather up your things and well, we wait? Can... Wait, 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 So she, she, she said she's not my daughter. Please, let's
2: go. No. Ahead. Where is she, Abby? Damn it! Damn it, Maggie.
1: Abby, Abby, where Maggie. are you? Hey, Maggie. Abby, it's your mother. Maggie, it's all right. Ma- Maggie, Maggie, you cannot go back Abby! there. Okay? Call security. Get psyched down here now. Abby! Oh God, please
3: pick up. Please pick up. This is Eric, leave a message after the Eric, if you're there, could you pick up the phone, please? It's Abby. Eric. Hello. Hello. Okay, Eric. Mom is in Chicago. What the What the hell is she doing in Chicago? Because I can't. I can't take her now. Okay? She can't be here. I Hmm.
0: So I'm going to defer to Lauren on this <laughs> one. Because I imagine she has some thoughts.
1: So the part of this that really strikes me as the most familiar, because I grew up, my dad had variably treated bipolar disorder from pretty much when I was born. So this is this is all I knew of my dad. My sister, he didn't get sick until roughly around the time I was born so she had six years of like normal Mm -hmm. and again I do have her permission to be saying this but um so it's almost worse for her because she knew what normal was Mm. before it got taken away whereas this kind of thing was all I knew so I thought dad was either just in one of his fun moods like with the bagels Mm. and you know um yeah, we'll go buy whatever video games you want and yeah, we're going to get this new house and it's going to be great and I've got a new job and everything's wonderful to uh, not that uh, <laughs> to much more of the anger and lashing out. And um, he wasn't quite as rapid cycling as this, mm-hmm. like it would vary more visit to visit, not necessarily all in one weekend that we were with him. But, um, yeah, just, like, the thing with the bagels is what sticks out to me because it just reminds me of, like, when he'd be in a fun mood. Like, he'd want to take my friends to go get ice cream. He'd want to go do all this stuff and, like, be an involved parent and really, like, spoil us kids. And then, you know, my mom, unfortunately, had to sometimes be the bad guy and be like, no, we have a structure. There's other stuff going on. And just, like... Seeing this so clearly reminded me of, you know, being a kid. But dad just wants to do fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mom, unfortunately, having to be like, nope, we got to do other things. And just or as as I got older, um, closer to teenage years and more aware of just how um, this is so terrible to say, but how embarrassing and cringeworthy my dad could be like there was a period of time where he lived in the parking lot outside our apartment complex. Hmm. And, like, he'd always want to be around us and be involved. And that comes up later on with the last scene with Maggie and Abby this episode. But just, like, it's it's the the fine line of someone trying their best, but their best not being what you need. Right. And also the inherent... Discord that comes from you wanting to be there to support them, but also needing to set those own boundaries, like Abby tries to do here. Right. Abby is trying to protect herself because she knows this cycle and she knows what's coming. Right. And Maggie behaves exactly as she expects with this.
2: Mm hmm.
1: So. Yeah. They. Yep, so just there's there's a lot of these microcosm moments where I'm just like, that's familiar. That, like, just these little flashes of, you know, m- muscle memory come out as I watch some of Sally Field's performances because, like I said, although she's more rapid cycling, and again, not all bipolar people present this way, mm-hmm. there's enough truth in it to where I'm just like, mmm, spicy. Right. Great. <laughs> like... Yeah.
2: So. Well, and like you've said, I think you've said this, you know, at the it's so interesting how the two biggest, uh, like, guest star arcs in the history of the show have such intense personal, like, connection for you. Like, it, it's really, it's kind of weird how that works out, especially since, like, of the three of us, you're probably the one who's, like, the least emotionally attached to the show. Like, mm-hmm. like of the three of us, you're the one that, like, you're a fan of it and, like, whatever, but, like, yeah. not to the degree that Lizzie and I... are and have been and so like it's so fascinating that the show chooses to fuck with you in this emotional kind of way (laughs) that like it's like oh you're not you're just kind of it's like whatever huh all right well here's two guest star arcs to like kick you right in the feels but
1: right in the balls but But, um... it it is just
2: it is so interesting how that works and i remember you saying at the time with alan alda and kind of telegraphing what was to come Mm -hmm. with sally field that like you were gonna have a really tough time like compartmentalizing the strength of the performance mm-hmm. with that personal kind of resonance and how it was, it was tough to watch because in many ways you're kind of reliving certain things yeah and it, it makes it difficult to sometimes appreciate the performance aspect of it.
1: Yep. And I'm just going to say a uh, shout out to all the great therapists I've had over the years. Cause I can process this a lot better now than let's say where I was five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, just everybody go to therapy. It's great. Um, and, yeah, it's thank you for giving me the space to discuss it in a way that's going to be constructive to, you know, our analysis of the show, I hope.
0: Like I said, I'm just going to shut up and let you talk whenever you want to talk about this stuff. <laughs> just like
1: just like we let you cover a lot of the trans stuff. Yep. Yep.
2: And we let Daniel cover...
1: Sports. Yeah.
2: <laughs> glad, I'm glad my uh, contributions can be reduced down to just sports. No,
1: sports, layouts, any, <laughs> any of the pedantic stuff that we miss. Oh, we man. love you, Daniel. He tells us
0: our guest stars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He does all the leg work.
2: (laughs) Somebody's got to do the scut. Yep. What happens next, Lauren?
1: Lizzie tells Al that he has, in fact, herniated a disc. Um, They will need to do surgery. She suggests uh, what I believe is the same procedure that I had done in 2017. She calls it an endoscopic discectomy, Mm -hmm. which I the description she said is the exact same as what i had done but by the time i had it they were calling it a microdiscectomy so i'm not sure maybe maybe some of our medical listeners can tell me what the difference is there but um i was like oh that sounds familiar too uh but she says there's so they're going to do an outpatient version of this which is faster theoretically less um
2: invasive less chance
1: for complications less invasive and she she says that there's no reason he wouldn't be able to surf again
2: Okay.
1: Yeah. Oy, okay. Um, but then we go around Maggie running around the ER, continuing to scream for Abby with Carrie and security, chasing her to calm her down. She finally sits on a bench and is like, I'm calm. I'm calm. I'm calm. Fine. I'm calm. I'm calm. But then immediately, well, first off, we see Abby watching from down the hall. She's leaning on a wall and just watching this, like bracing herself. But then she starts walking up and immediately... Maggie sees her, and her expression just completely changes. Her eyes light up, she relaxes, and she's just like, "That's my Abby. That's, that's that's my, my beautiful girl." beautiful daughter. Yeah. yeah. And oh my god, <sighs> I have. Yep. <laughs> mm. uh, my fa- my father's ghost from the other room just boop. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so much uh but yeah and Abby's like hi mom to which Carrie looks at her like the fuck
2: yeah I so and and here's where I my like my justification or my pitch for why if I'm in my head ranking the the guest stars of the, the great guest star runs of the show why I give the edge to Sally Field over uh Alan Alda just ever so slightly is because Alan Alda had great individual episodes and individual performances with individual moments with Carrie and with Mark and with Lucy and with Carter. And like he, he did sort of spread the wealth around a little bit, but you could make the argument for Carrie, but I do sort of think that you, you did lack kind of a singular character who was elevated to the same level consistently with him while he was on the show. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think, the the thing that makes this so great is the dynamic like it's not just that sally field's in there acting her ass off of course she is she's sally fucking Fields. she's gonna act her ass off but it's the fact that you have a maura tierney there with her who is matching her scene for scene line for line like she like the there is a believable amount of history between. it's very sort of reminiscent of the the mark green david green dynamic to me in a different way but like you never question for one minute that there's decades of history between mark and david and i feel the same sort of feeling with maggie and abby like you never need you don't need any sort of backstory you don't need to fill in any of the blanks it's written on their faces and it's it's in the way they deliver their lines like that that "Hi, mom it's two words Mm -hmm. very benign two words but the way abby delivers it you're right there like you feel everything that abby's feeling in that moment and so i just like that for me is the thing that takes uh sally field's guest arc over the top and puts her right at the top of the list for me
0: i would also like to point out like i know we're not we don't meet eric for a while yet do we we meet eric this season i don't think so
2: i yeah i don't think so i think that's closer to um that might be eight it might even be nine i'm not sure but it's, I like it's nine. definitely not. It's definitely I sure it's I, I don't think it's this first season. appearance,
0: but all that to say she has a similar like you can tell she has a history with with the actor who plays Eric. Mm-hmm. As oh, yeah.
2: Well. Yeah. At, who I love and should have been a bigger star than he was. Like, I love Tom Everett Scott. I think he should have been. It, there's an alternate timeline where he's our, our new Tom Hanks for the new millennium. And we just missed out on it. Like we just sliding doors. We just missed it. But well, Tom Hanks was our Tom Hanks for this. For well, I know, but video. like he should have been there to like take over the mantle. Instead, we're left with Chet Hanks. Fair enough. The less said about him, the better.
1: But then we go back to Lizzie and Mark working on another gunshot victim that just came in with Malucci, who has been shot in the chest.
2: Cryptic.
1: Totally
0: mm. normal. Just a regular Nothing trauma.
2: <sighs> Scene one, you've seen them all. Definitely won't be so. a big deal in a few minutes.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So let's uh, get some more. Speaking of that more tyranny and uh, Sally Field mm. dynamic, let's hear about. Let's
3: hear some of it. Look at you. Look at you. You're still so pretty. <laughs> what are you doing here, Maggie? came to see you. How'd you get here? On the bus. I came on the bus. Does Eric know where you are? <laughs> you know how busy your brother always is. So you just left? And and you didn't call? Why, why didn't you call me and, and tell me that you were coming? I was worried about you. I heard about you and Richard separating. A year ago. I... Yeah, I'm divorced. Oh, my God. Thought... What about your job? Oh. The department store? My daughter is more important than any stupid job. Oh, you know what I did? I left all my stuff in the coffee room. I'm, I'm going to go get it, and you and I are going to talk. I'm working. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, but I'm going to wait for you, and we're going to talk. I'll be back. Frank said that you said you didn't know her. How long has she been bipolar? Since I was a kid. She's off her meds,
2: apparently. Apparently. Oh. 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 oh.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: I. What is I? Yeah. Yeah. Words. Do you want to try that again? I was gonna. I was about to say. Um, do you have any personal recollections of med compliance? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I don't think I've
0: ever, actually talked to you about this aspect of it.
1: Nope. As far as I know, he he was off his meds as much as he was on them. As much as I was aware as a kid, like fair enough. Yeah, he. He would go on good stretches where he'd have a job and he'd be medicating well and, you know, doing everything. And then all of a sudden he wouldn't have a house anymore and he'd be looking for a new job. And it was just part of it It was just we were constantly um, he'd buy houses intending to flip them. And then suddenly that house just wouldn't be a place we went anymore. And it just was gone. And like, yeah, no, no fucking clue
0: you know it's kind of amazing you turned out as well as you did
1: thank you i like to think part of it's i'm just a part of it's most of it's my mom if i hadn't had if i hadn't had my mom i would not be well and aaron too but if i had not had my mom as the stern for not even stern but as the solid force Mm. for all that like if she hadn't gotten out when she did I I would not be as remotely well adjusted as a loose term here, but I would not be the person I am if my mom had not done what she had done for us. But yeah, no med compliance, no. <laughs> yeah. Hence hence the supervillain laugh on that. <laughs> no, that's that's very real. The the whole oh suddenly you're you don't have a job anymore and you're off your meds and why are you here and this is different. Yeah, yeah. no, that was my whole childhood.
2: I think that's pretty. That's a pretty real for any sort of chronic illness where medication is involved. I mean, there's, I, it's been my experience anyway, that just about every, mm-hmm. d- regardless of what the, the illness is, there comes a point where the person who has, whose responsibility it is to take the medication gets tired of taking the medication. Mm-hmm. And almost as a, hey, look, it's almost me. as a means of rebellion, just says, fuck mm-hmm. it. I'm not going to take my meds. But the, the key difference though, is that most illnesses, if you don't take your meds, the only one who suffers is you. Whereas with something like bipolar disorder, it can affect others around you as well.
1: I did it early on with my seizure disorder, and I have been med compliant ever since, because boy, that was a lesson. Um I know another person in in my near family has done the same thing for a different illness, but I'm not naming names because I don't have their permission. But yes, I have I have seen the rebellious non compliance firsthand several times.
0: Done that personally a couple times with my antidepressants. Thank has, you for no It has not
2: gone
1: well was, when I'm off them. I was
0: having I clearly need them. I was having the can confirm.
1: I was
2: having the weirdest <laughs> bit of deja vu. I was like, didn't we just talk about this? No, it was that I was starting to work on putting best of season three together, and we got. I was listening to the episode um, where Doug's date has a seizure and dies, mm. and she takes off her med alert bracelet and leaves it in his Mm -hmm. bathroom. And we were having this whole conversation in that episode about essentially med compliance and essentially like wanting to forget that you have an illness. And sometimes it manifests itself in ways like that, where you'll take off your med alert bracelet and be like, I'm not going to think about it.
1: Well, that and like with, with psychiatric disorders like this, especially like it said later on, she likes the manic phases. Right. You feel like you're a zombie if you're not feeling those high highs. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you're like, oh, I need to stop taking. And like sometimes sometimes I will say they are, there are some med side effects where you literally just zombie and you're dissociating your whole day. That is a very real thing. It's me. I was not going to name names, but yes, it's I have fine. seen it happen. I'm happy to talk about it. I know, but I, tr- I try not to just assume people are okay with I it. I am probably over-medicated. Anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, there's also that balance of okay, what is that truly zombifying versus how much of it are you missing the cycling? Right. Like, what is what is the price you're paying for getting to have those high highs? Mm-hmm. So, mm. and we we talk about that a little bit later when uh, Kim talks to talks talks to her. Uh-huh. About her yeah,
2: hands. we got to rope her into this mm-hmm. somehow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Let's move on. Yeah,
2: let's, okay. let's move on to this jam packed fucking episode. Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Christ. yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, this is this is gonna go real fast yeah. here. So
2: uh Mark and Lizzie are talking uh, about their upcoming trip uh while working on the uh, most recent GSW victim. Uh he's losing blood somewhere. Uh and Lauren Respectfully This
1: was the guys, this was the only place I could find it, and I'm really sorry, no. but Whose films are those? Respectful.
2: Respectful. Whose films are those?
1: Just somber. Whose films are those? I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh,
2: He starts patient starts blumping, pumping blood out of his chest and Malucci with the line of the episode. I love this guy. He's an entire medical education in one convenient package. Uh, R.I.P. Dave Tiberius Malucci, uh, beginning of season six, (laughs) beginning of season six to season seven, episode six. We hardly knew ye. The Dave Malucci redemption tour is over. Uh, We then cut to Cleo, who's walking down the hall uh, after she was she started to come in and and help on that trauma and was basically like, "Ah, we got it. Like three docs. No. We can handle this. So they, they kind of dismiss Cleo, and she's walking down the hall and sees Jackie in chairs. Uh, and she's Ruh-roh. looking for Benton, who is up in the OR in surgery. And she says that she was called and told that Jesse was shot and brought into the ER just a few minutes ago. And you can just see it written all over Cleo's face that she's putting two and two together here and knows what's going on and we get another one of those excellent kind of scenes that we haven't really gotten in a while but i the one that springs to mind when i think of this type of scene is the end of love's labor lost where mark goes in to tell bradley whitford that his wife has died but you don't actually get to hear him tell bradley whitford that his wife has died it's just the it's just the visual and you get you see the reaction it's a similar type thing here where cleo goes into the or tells Benton what has happened and you just see the reaction from Benton as he drops everything and mm-hmm. rushes down to the ER. And it's it's really good. It's really, really good. Um, so Benton, of course, runs down to the trauma room to try to jump in. Basically just shoves Malucci right out of the way as he's like mid-procedure. Uh, Malucci, I believe, with yet another charming up ep- uh, line for the episode here. Jesus Christ, Malucci. Uh, thank God for bangers, huh? <sighs> uh, I, Ish. I, I is it? Uh, was it Malucci who also says he's not even gonna make it, or was that? Uh, yep,
0: yep. After he gets shoved aside, he's like, "What the hell's your problem?" He's not, guy's yep. not even gonna make it. Yeah,
2: because there's there's a lot of uh, loose talk, go- n- none to the degree yeah. as as egregious as Malucci, but there's just a lot of casual talk going around the table between Lizzie, Mark, Dave, and Cleo. Then. Follows into the room and announces that it's actually Benton's nephew and you can see Dave's career flash before his eyes in that moment. Yo, <laughs> see a lot of things flash before his eyes. Yikes. Yeah, this is, uh, I fr- like, I mean, I knew coming into this episode from the last couple of weeks, like kind of peeking ahead, knew what was coming, but like, I just big picture did not remember that all of these things collided in one episode. Yep. Because, really, when you think about it, the only thing in this episode that really doesn't matter beyond this episode, and you can even make an argument that it, it's a continuation of stuff that's been going on, is Luca's thing. Like, Luca's yeah. thing is really the only thing in this episode that doesn't have much in the way of, like, significance. Either either wrapping up something or starting something new that's mm. big. And mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy. Um but, yeah, wow, holy shit. Uh, we get a brief moment between Abby and Luca where she tells him that uh, her mom is here. And then we find out that Teresa's pregnancy test came back and uh, pulls Luca away from their conversation. So we'll get into that a little bit later.
0: We go back to Jesse. Uh, still not doing great and... We can only sum it up as blood is coming from somewhere it shouldn't. Do you
1: know how hard it was for me to do the notes for this? Because I'm like, okay, it's just a mess. There's no there's no good terminology for what's happening here. He's just bleeding out. Yeah. Like, I felt so bad putting still not doing great, but how else do you sum that up?
0: Yeah. So they got to crack both sides of his chest and they're going to try to put him on bypass. But before they do that, Romano pops in to scold Lizzie for her choice of procedure with Al. Because... And she's like, are you insinuating that I would choose an improper course of treatment to satisfy my weekend plans? And, and Ramal's like, you said it, not me.
2: Ugh.
0: Yeah. So things not going great all around, uh, but let's move away from move away from the horror show over, over to Abby and Carter for an audio clip. She
3: sold cosmetics, but she used to get fired all the time. What about you, Dan? He split when I was seven, couldn't take it. She's an artist. And when I was little and she was manic, it was fun, actually, because we would do stuff like um, camp out in the living room. Actually, really camp out with tents and stuff. We painted the walls of the living room once, this whole landscape. And then suddenly everything would change. She would start screaming and crying Eric took the brunt of that because he was much more of a rebel than I was. Eric is your brother? Yeah. She was living near him in Florida. He's in the Air Force. He's an air traffic controller. Really? Yes. And then she would get depressed and just go to bed for weeks. So by the age of ten, I had figured out how to scam meals off the neighbors so Eric and I could eat. Could get her some help you know you could get her on lithium or depakote no she won't take the drug she likes it when she's manic but i can't do this again i'm not strong enough
0: any more
1: feelings i'm gonna Lauren? stop sighing every time <laughs> one of those clips is done just this this last part um I know I've talked about this before, but I was not quite estranged from my dad by the time I was 16, but I had really distanced myself and my sister and I really had like, we were doing the bare minimum to see him at that point just because we were just tired of right. of the trauma and the cycling and everything. So I completely get that I can't do this line. Um, the only thing I think that brought us back was his alzheimer's diagnosis otherwise i very much would have continued on Mm -hmm. in the same vein as abby probably and just right i it was both a blessing and a curse that he got sick because one of the biggest things i always say is how much i regret the time i didn't spend with him but it's also his illness cheated us out of Such wholesome time, anyway, that it's like, what would that time have even been? Right,
2: exactly. Who knows what your feelings might have been otherwise? Yeah.
1: Was you was
2: I would assume that, like, given that you and your sister are very close, I would imagine the two of you probably, like, relied on each other, or, like, either, either, like, confided in what, like, I mean, did you have somebody like Abby has with Carter here where she can, like, talk through this shit with as it's happening rather than like we're doing now in retrospect?
1: At the time, we didn't really, because I think, like, when you're in it... Right. You don't realize how fucked up it actually is. Right. It was, like... She she obviously is six years older than me, so she knew before I, I did that, that this was not normal. And again, she had that frame of reference as a child of what dad was like. So, like, she knew something was wrong, and I just... When I was younger, I was just like, this is just dad, right. and... So like we, I know the thing that's continued over the most is she is still very overprotective of me now, Mm -hmm. which I'm working on with her because, oh my God, I'm 30, (laughs) but um, just (laughs) being six years older and seeing this happening, kind of like Abby protecting Eric, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, it was a very similar thing where we do talk about it a lot more now and we talk about it with our mom a lot more now to kind of put together what was really going on. Right but um at the time i think it was really just like we were both dealing with it in our own ways mm-hmm. we didn't really we were so busy surviving it we didn't even Yeah talk
2: it, i guess about in it. that way it is sort of, i mean i'm sure as much as this still has to hit close to home for you it is sort of a little bit of an apples to oranges comparison in the sense of like abby's already a full grown adult by this point and, and has not that you're not but like has like <laughs> has has uh, already gone through those experiences whereas mm-hmm. because your dad has passed away your experiences have a finite expiration like you you can say right. i dealt with these th- feelings between the ages of like 10 and you know 27 or whatever it was like you know like i
1: 29 and a half. yeah but like you know you you <laughs> yeah. dealt
2: with you dealt with managing those experiences yeah. during those years exclusively whereas with abby it's kind of an ongoing thing and she's yeah. still learning to process whereas- in real time
1: yeah whereas now it's more the healing than the actual having to cope and survive the day to day so it it is it is apples to oranges in that way, but so many of these conversations are things that like sometimes I'll talk to Lizzie about something from my childhood, and Lizzie will look at me and goes that's not normal yeah
2: yeah sometimes (laughs) sometimes
1: that doesn't happen the
2: the whole you know forest for the trees kind of situation like sometimes if you don't know any better it is hard to know until you hear it from somebody else who goes like wow that's fucked up
1: yeah well and that's one of the things i will say um on a more personal note as if we can get more personal is that's one of the things that i've loved my current therapist the most for saying was just Telling me that it wasn't my responsibility to keep him happy. Mm. And it was not my responsibility to keep the peace. Right. Because he and my sister would clash so much. And he... His bipolar... We didn't see so much of the depression. His came out as anger. Mm. So, like, I would do anything I could to feel safe, right. and this is why I'm such a people-pleaser, Right. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we have because... talked
2: about that sort of as a friend group of just, like, part of yeah. why Lauren is the way she is as our, like, you know, resident mom friend is...
1: As unhealthy as it may be, right. it's because, and this is something I've learned in therapy, is that it was a safety mechanism. Right. Like, it was that or stuff was getting thrown, and there was screaming, and my my place suddenly wasn't safe to be. Mm-hmm. So... My face this whole episode, colon, <laughs> straight line. This is just the Lauren show, I'm sorry. That's okay. We knew this one was going to be like it. Moving forward, yeah. there won't be as much of this, but... Oh, so let me go on. Cleo is checking on Jackie, uh, gives her an update that Benton is now working on Jesse, and explains the status to her as best she can, noting that he is in a grave condition because he was shot in the heart. Jackie cannot get a hold of Walt because he's out on a parts run and Jesse's presumably girlfriend and friend show up asking if he's okay, to which Jackie freaks out on them, tells them they can't be here, and kicks them out of the ER.
0: One of my least favorite characters in the entire show has Uh, shown
1: up. We are all all having a normal one today, folks.
2: Oh, boy. Yeah, and Jesse's girlfriend here, uh, played by actress Toy Connor. Uh, Really looking at her IMDb, this is kind of the most memorable thing that she ever did um, as an actress, but that, you know she leaves an impression that's for sure uh and she's making her first of four appearances uh here so we'll be seeing more of her as we go along oh boy so let's go back to the trauma room where benton is struggling real hard to control the uh trauma for jesse he's bleeding out everywhere and you can just see how hard benton is taking this how like you can practically see his brain shorting out like he is not doing great friends um but it is nice to to be reminded that Eric LaSalle can still fucking bring it, uh, even even in these like later days of his time on the show, like it would be very easy at this point, especially as one of the few remaining kind of original cast members. I think it would be very easy for him to rest on his laurels at this point and just kind of phone it in. And mm-hmm. stuff like this reminds you that, no, he can still be, like, the best actor on the show when he feels like it. Like, when he's given given the proper material and he's properly motivated, he can absolutely be the best character or best actor on the show, like, bar none. Um, so, yeah, we'll check back in there in just a moment. But uh, we go back to Luca's uh, situation where uh, a detective has now come in to talk to Mr. Mister Ruiz about the suspected abuse uh, and Lauren, you noted a sign behind Luca in the hallway here.
1: Oh, I sure did. I was so excited that uh, I was the one to catch this because I never catch the signs. <laughs> sign
0: watch 2022. Sign
1: watch 2022 in a completely inappropriate tonally thing for this episode. Behind Luca's head during this is a sign, a black and white sign that says, what have you got against a condom?
2: Okay. It's a, it's a fair, a fair question. question. Yeah. Straight to the point. Considering the storyline. Yeah.
1: Ooh, uh, even even. I mean, in general, but also oof. yeah. Uh,
2: and uh, Mister Ruiz, of course, denies any abuse. Uh, and our detective here, Detective Tincreed, it's a great name. I love very excellent character name. I'm very, I'm, I'm a big fan of the the surname Tincreed. Uh, but uh, Detective Tincreed here is played by actress Deborah Lacey, who appeared in stuff like Dar- Star Trek: Deep Space Nine the movie straight out of Compton and shout out to the in a snit ladies, because Deborah here has a recurring role on Mad Men as Carla, the, uh, nanny. um, Made what whatever her title is. I don't know what her the girl the girl yeah the the one what? that the one that raises I... Sally and Bobby basically.
1: You've broken me. What?
2: <laughs> yes, this is... I didn't
1: even because this was one of those moments where I was having face blindness because I was like, oh, it's just a bit thing. I don't need to pay attention to who this is because Daniel will tell us. And then I'm like, well, fuck. Yeah.
2: As soon as as, as soon this. as she walked into the room, I was like, I I locked on her. Her face and her voice immediately, mm-hmm. but it but it didn't click with me right away who it was, and I was like, I, I know this person's face and I know their voice especially, and then when I went to go look, I was like, oh, of course, it's fucking Carla from Mad Men.
1: That's how it was. I was playing Firewatch the other day, and the main character is voiced by um Harry, ah. Crane, and I was like, I know that punchable he's voice in who fucking fuck every video it? game. He's so good, Rich summer. He is so he's such a good performer. And I know in a lot of places he plays somebody we love to hate, but I was just like, he's got such a defining performance style. Mm -hmm. Sorry, not to get us off track, but I was just like, I know that guy. Oh, hey, it's that guy. I had a moment.
2: Every once in a while, I'll get you.
1: Yep.
0: Go back for the final time. Well, at least in this portion of it, back to the trauma room where Benton is frantically trying to keep suturing. Mark is doing the supportive... Just letting him play it out thing even though everyone else has basically stopped what they're doing and all you hear is the flat line in the background while he's doing all this stuff and mark and corday are both trying to slow him down and try to be like he's gone he's he's gone and
1: yeah laura noted once again that we do not deserve eric lasalle his expressions for this whole sequence are so fucking powerful.
2: Yeah, every every square inch of this from where it starts like from when when we we bring him into the equation up in the OR until this moment where he um tells Jackie like every square inch of it is sheer perfection. Like from his standpoint, like he gives a flawless performance from beginning to end. Like it 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 might be the most like impactful succession of scenes from a single actor I think in the entire show like he does such an amazing job with this on every level it's so intense yeah then he slowly puts the stuff down and
0: he walks out still covered in Jesse's blood on his arms and his scrubs and as soon as Jackie sees him she just lets out the most heart wrenching scream (sighs) Shout out! I forget the actress' Can, name. Candy
2: but. Alexander. Uh, who? Shout
0: out to Candy Alexander. Yeah,
2: does not get enough credit for just just being an excellent actress in, in general, but especially with this performance. I mean, it is just absolutely heart wrenching. I mean, I both love and hate that you didn't get that you didn't clip the scream like that. Mm-hmm. We didn't we didn't listen to it as yeah, a clip. Because this is much it's more of like,
0: a visual scene because of his facial expressions and him just trying to like
2: frantically sew so while. Well. It, yeah. It's haunting, that scream. Yeah. Ugh.
1: Was this where Martin broke my heart, or was it a little bit later on in this episode? Maybe a little bit. I think it's a little your, bit later. Pick your there's time. No, he no did no it several
2: here, right? several times throughout the episode. Martin it's,
1: was it's at the, it, on fire no, this episode. I, I know where it is. It's towards the very end of the episode, I remember now. Yeah. So.
0: But yeah, and there's a Happy Thanksgiving sign up and chairs. So Which Happy just,
1: Thanksgiving. It more just to me, it added to the cruel irony of like, this is all happening around the holidays. Right.
2: Yeah. That was more where I was. Remember remember the season one Thanksgiving episode where Tag was plucking a turkey? <laughs> <laughs> like, what a difference uh, six years makes. Holy shit.
1: Simpler times. Uh, but then we go to, hello, stranger. We go to Nurse Bacon chatting. That was his name, right? Frank Bacon. Yes, Frank, Frank Bacon. Bacon. Okay. N- that's your name. Nurse Bacon chatting with his friends in the cafeteria when Chen walks up. And his friends respectfully give them some space to chat. And these two do a very good job playing this scene. Like, they clearly haven't talked since they hooked up. Mm -hmm. And she just tells him, she's like, I should have told you. But I want to give him up for adoption. Will you sign the papers?
2: Sure which they sort yeah. of leave I mean they based on what eventually happens mm-hmm. obviously we know he does but like they do sort of leave this somewhat ambiguous as to whether or not he he did
1: Yeah, be- they don't answer the question before right. they cut away. Because
2: this is the last appearance of Frank. We we will not be seeing Frank anymore after this. So you're left to to sort of wonder what's going to happen with this. And um I mean it, it, it's sort of <laughs> kind of like I, we talked about this when Frank first showed up. Um But, like, I do sort of, in retrospect, kind of like this because this is a bit of a, like, real-life retcon where Ming-Na Wen showed up for Season 7 already visibly pregnant, and they had to figure out a way to make that make sense in storyline, and this was fortunately they had this ready-made thing where from the season before she had hooked up with this nurse from another department. And so this is like, sort. I don't think they were expecting to have to utilize this character again after that first appearance. So it was a very nice, happy accident that they were able to kind of like, you know, make it work here and come up with a satisfying answer to that question. Um, But yeah, they do sort of leave it very ambiguous as far as whether or not he is actually going to agree to what she wants but uh, but we go from there uh, to Lizzie checking in on Mark and uh, he says that she didn't recognize Jesse because she only met him the once and because they changed his fucking actor every single time he showed up on this fucking show like Jesus Jeez. Christ Like he was also named peanut one time like they just fucking they just they, they played real fast and loose with uh, Benton's nephews uh, and, oh boy, as if this episode needed any more fucking baggage, uh, Mark mentions a headache, presumably from hockey with Malucci.
0: Nothing more sinister than that. Nope. Just he'll go away in a couple days. Just, a, oh, just a
2: little hockey injury. No big deal. Definitely won't dominate the next two seasons. Um, but uh, she goes up to uh, handle Al's surgery. So we'll check in uh, from there. Uh, Malucci... Uh, Sees Mark at the desks. Uh, sees Mark at the desk and asks if uh, he thinks Benton overheard him regarding the gangbanger comments. And uh, Mark, <laughs> I like Mark's reaction to him. Where he's like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you're not dragging me down into this shit. Please, <laughs> too smart for same that. same my problem. This is your fucking problem. Right. Man. Dead Man Walking. Uh, a uh, friend of Teresa's shows up. Vinny to check. Uh, I like to uh, lovingly refer to this uh, young man as Chekhov's fuckboy Uh,
1: (laughs) 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 no that's exactly it that's perfect
2: because they really don't have they don't call any attention to it at this point but it becomes important later on Uh, and uh, but apparently he was so unimportant that the actor doesn't even get a credit in IMDB I searched high and low and Vinny is nowhere to be found in the cast for this episode so uh, sucks to be the actor who played Vinny Um, but we go up to uh, Lizzie working on Al's uh, disectomy uh, Shirley points out the time, 10 to 6, uh, so Corday, remember from earlier in the episode, she's on a, a tight deadline to get out of there by 6, and uh, Lauren, it, was this your question here as to why yeah. is he awake for this, which is yeah, a fair that's question. Yeah, my
0: question too. I was out for mine. Yeah, why the fuck, you can do outpatient surgery and still have it put under it be put under it seemed like you just leave the hospital the same day it seemed
2: like based on the way he was responding to some of her questions it seemed to me like maybe he might might have been under like a partial anesthesia or something mm. like oh yeah no he was like definitely conscious twilight, sedation
1: nope he should be out that's spinal surgery my dude yeah yeah does... i've been in
0: that in a similar state of uh sedation i
1: know mine was mine was outpatient and they had me out
2: yeah. yeah, I mean, it does seem like the kind of thing where you wouldn't want the patient moving around, even like incoherently. Like you wouldn't
1: want any chance of it,
2: right? So it does you want seem... them under
1: full paralysis?
2: So not great, uh, but uh, she goes in, gets the disc fragments, and uh, Mr. Carrie Weaver. Christian name, after all, uh, points out that there's uh, some leaking spinal fluid, but Lizzie uh, brushes it off and says that it's just irrigation solution, and I'm sure that won't come back to bite her at all.
0: Not at all. But it's totally believable in the moment. Though, it is. Because she's, she's flushing the area with saline. Mm-hmm. So, so it's
1: it's a very easy thing for her to miss. Yeah. I will say that. And we'll he talk d- about it more in a little bit. And Mr. But...
0: Carey Weaver doesn't say specifically spinal fluid. He just says there's some, flu- some yeah, fluid. Yeah, leaking fluid.
2: You're right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Abby and Maggie will have a little bit of a chat with uh, one Kim Legaspi.
3: What are you doing? Waiting for you. May I see? They're beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) May I see? This is Dr. Legaspi psychiatrist <laughs> yes I don't need you Abby tells me you have bipolar disorder how long have you been off your meds am I off my meds why'd you stop I don't like lithium all right it makes me tired it makes me sick to my stomach I can't do these on drugs I can't do anything what medication are you on now Prozac uh, I was depressed. Uh, uh, doctor, at my Hmo, he gave him to me. You need to stay away from all antidepressants. They can trigger a manic episode. She knows. Okay. I'll write you a prescription for Depakote If you promise me that you'll stay away from the Prozac. Sure. Great. I'll go get you the script. You okay? Thank you. Oh boy.
1: This this sparked a conversation at home for Lizzie and I where I reminded her if cuz I'm on antidepressants if she ever starts to see me cycling or having manic episodes, she needs to tell me right away so I can talk to my psychiatrist cuz I might not notice it.
0: But, and I have been on the watch out for that ever, ever since. <laughs> I'm not like on edge or anything like that that But something's going to happen but like But just knowing,
1: like, knowing my dad didn't get sick until his mid 30s. Yeah,
0: I'm just like mm-hmm. well, something to be aware of see what see what yep you have someone looking out for you the family
1: history is there i've got a i've got a good psychiatrist and i've got you i'm not too worried i'm not scared i
0: am just cognizant yeah cognizant of the fact that it may occur and i'm looking out for it because i love you thank you
1: but yeah like the the side effects that maggie lists are totally viable like the upset stomach the exhaustion like Mm -hmm. Those are common things. They can make you stop a medication for good reason. And I think that's the hardest part about any chronic illness is that, like, you have to find that balance between treating what you have and not making you feel actively worse with other shit.
0: Right. I'm running through that camera right
1: now. Trying to
0: find a new antidepressant.
1: We'll figure you out, sweetie. But also, I love when she's coloring and just the minute Kim asks to see it, that sharp stop Uh where she knows... Exactly what's up? Okay, what do you want, Prozac? Mm-hmm. Mm, you shouldn't be.
2: Like, like again, there's that believable history there of, of not not just necessarily even between Maggie and Abby, but between Maggie and psychiatrists. Like mm-hmm. there's believable history there in in something as simple as a crayon.
1: Yep. uh So we go into oh god, maluchi goes into trauma one where Benton is standing with Jesse's body, and he intends to apologize. But the way he apologizes, and says, I thought he was just another banger. Not what you want to fucking say. Benton punches the hell out of him, and the fight carries into the hall, and Carrie and Mark run to break it up with Malik. Oof. Yeah. My dude. And, he was like, and Malik, she goes, I was just trying to apologize. That's not how you fucking do it.
0: He was doing well until he said, I thought he was just another banger. Yep. He was doing, he was doing well. <laughs> was he
1: though? Like, was he, was, like
2: this he was, entire episode, was he doing well?
0: But he wasn't being like inherently super disrespectful
2: <sighs>
0: until he, because he was apologizing. He was saying, I'm sorry. I didn't, I apologize for my actions. And then he said the disrespectful thing and. and
1: the disrespectful racist ass shit.
2: Yeah. Almost got, anyway. almost got himself yeeted up to the fucking frosted tips in the sky. <laughs> Jeez.
0: Uh, Justin Timberlake is waiting for him up there somewhere Um, So Talk about storylines Taking a huge Taking a huge left turn Let's let's remember as I'm talking about all this This girl is in 7th grade She's 13
2: Right which I also feel like they did Sort of with both her and and the fuck boy i do feel like they cast it a little high for both like they they yeah. which was honestly fine i just would have maybe changed the script i would have said that they were in ninth grade like i would have said yeah I, anything like keep the same actors but like let's just make them a little older can we not make yeah. them 13
0: but teresa is 13 in seventh grade and she's talking with a detective with luca out, luca outside the room the detective says there's no report of abuse from her father um and luca's like let me let me go talk to her and see and see what's up and she says she fell down and Luca starts to explain how abusive people can be without intending to be and he tells her that she's pregnant 13 she starts uh, talking about it and she starts talking about a guy she's having sex with and Luca at first not knowing about her boyfriend thinks it's the dad which is a horrifying thought in and and of itself but then we get out that the young gentleman... Well, not really gentleman. The young asshole that...
2: <laughs> the, the uh, Chekhov's fuckboy. Use his Christian Chekhov's name.
0: Chekhov's fuckboy. Um, his name is Vinny. And they argue about whether not to wear a con, uh, uh, Whether not to wear a condom. She wants him to wear one he doesn't want to. Because he loves her.
1: Okay. I, I know we've probably talked about this before. But can y'all can can y'all please... Naive Lauren here... Why are so many people against condoms? I don't fucking understand,
2: oh, I mean a lot of that is societal uh depictions of sex and stuff like n- like unless the unless the issue of like teen pregnancy or safe sex is part of the plot, when have you ever seen a sex scene in a movie where they like make a point of being like well, we gotta do we have a condom do we gotta like you know like, that's just not depicted in a it's if anything it's depicted as a hindrance. Like, so there's just not that many, like, safe sex positive portrayals in things unless they're trying to, like, hammer home a point about, you know, either teen pregnancy or STIs. It's
1: just it just, just not a thing. It just, it I just mean, makes me so mad.
0: It is a different sensation. I'll say that. That's Thank all I'll say about that. You. Thank you. That's so yeah.
1: I, I was I was asking for the tiptoed version of that to, and like, just be like, that's all I'm going to say that's about fine. that. <laughs> that's all you need to say.
0: Exactly. Uh, But yeah, her, yeah, Vinny, your boyfriend's the one doing this. And uh, she says, we're in homeroom together. And that kills Lauren and I every Uh, single goddamn time.
1: I'm like, okay, this is horrifying. This is horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Too much.
2: Right? And if I'm Luca in that situation, I'm just like, and you're, Jesus Christ. Like, are you sure your dad's not beating you? Can we just, because that's less upsetting. (laughs) Like, can we just, can we go back to the less upsetting reality where your dad's just beating you up and not this?
1: I'm. I'm just gonna say episodes like this and like the high school girls all getting oh yeah the STIs and stuff. It makes me so happy that I was a late bloomer and that I didn't <laughs> hook up with anybody Same. until Lizzie. Yeah,
2: I mean, well, like I was,
1: yeah. I was 20. I'm
2: sure before like a, any like we talked about in that episode. I'm sure that stuff like that was going on. Yeah, I didn't witness it. But, I didn't know about it, but I'm sure stuff like this was going on.
1: But but I'm just saying. Teen sex sounds way overrated as much as I was a little bummed I was missing out on it while I was a high schooler. I'm kind of glad now yeah. that uh I was 20 before anything happened yeah. because oh my god. It's And I was barely ready at 20.
2: Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like if there's any part of this episode that you could trim or cut or change in any way cuz I think this episode is pretty Dial pretty darn close <laughs> to perfect. This is the the obvious choice for me. Is this storyline here, like because again, it doesn't really have. Like you could have had Luca just be a fucking sad boy for another episode. We could have we could have yeah. like kicked that can down the road one more episode because they sort of allude to at the beginning of the episode he's still in his you know feelings about what has happened over the last couple episodes. So and but then that the the slow mo deal and all that like that really doesn't play into any of his actions or interactions or anything that happens to him the rest of the episode. We really don't touch on the fact that he's going through some shit hardly at all. It doesn't really yeah. affect this story. So he doesn't
0: go full Doug Ross white Knight. Yeah. This place. He actually, he actually handles this case of abuse with
2: a surprising amount of restraint. Right. And the fact that this is kind of the end of it and that we don't see the, like we don't see any resolution with the fuck boy. Like we just meet him that one time and then that's basically it. There's no real resolution with the dad. There's no... Like, this just feels like kind of this hanging thread of a storyline that no one was really asking for to begin with. And it's just like, if there was one piece of this puzzle that we could change or just tweak a little bit, I think it's obviously this one, but... Uh, we go back uh, up to surgical where Romano is uh, checking in on Al. He's uh, complaining of back pain and a headache, and he can't move his legs. And you just Smart the bro. panic uh, on Romano when he says he can't feel his legs. They go to turn just, him. Okay, you're leaking spinal fluid all over. Yep, okay. he's leaking spinal oh. fluid all over the gurney. And when Mark and Lizzie get to their B and B, they get a call in the room for Lizzie, and you can see it written all over her face. Uh, what what she's here? Shit's fucked, you. Shout out also this, to to Lizzie's cool hat uh, that she's wearing. Yes. Excellent. She wears the best. hat. Excellent hats.
1: hat. This was where the musical cue absolutely breaks my heart. Is where Lizzie gets this call. the The volume tones down. The music kicks in, and then it goes into this next part that you're about right,
2: to. Right, yeah. Which we go to the trauma room where Cleo and Benton are cleaning up Jesse's body with some uh, really just beautifully haunting instrumentals playing and it's just goddamn martin like
0: just piano on fire just, just. right
2: just thank god we're not doing licensed music for this like we're just imagine them fucking trying to clean up jesse's body here with arms wide open playing over the fucking
0: <laughs> oh, open.
2: god bless like sometimes less is more like let's let's just let martin work his magic and leave the man alone
0: oh, all right let's round off this uh emotion clusterfuck of an episode. Let's
1: give Lauren some more uh, trauma flashbacks and wrap this <laughs> Tra- one out strong. Trauma for the Tra- road.
0: Yeah. Alright. Uh, Abby and Maggie are up on the L platform.
3: Where's your coat? You look like you're freezing to death. I'm sorry. Alright, I'm sorry. I've ruined everything. I know. I've ruined everything. And I've hurt you in your brother's. So I'm sorry. You have every right to hate me. Of course you'd hate me. I don't I'm hate you? I'm sorry. I don't hate you. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I love you. I love you so much. You're my angel. My angel. I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to hurt you. Please forgive me. I oh, forgive please you. forgive me. I forgive you Mom. <laughs>
1: And you were born and you were this little baby. And it was like you were the answer to all my prayers. You were the answer to all my prayers. And I thought to myself, I'll be okay now. I'll be okay. I kissed your ear. I'll be okay. And I held you my hands. I loved you, God. Oh, I loved you. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've heard my dad have almost this exact thing countless times.
2: Mm.
1: I... She nails it.
2: Yeah. I mean, as somebody who does not does not have a family member who has dealt with the same type of illness, uh, but who does have family members who are overly emotionally sensitive and emotionally, like, abundant and... <laughs> that experience of being put up on a pedestal by a family member is not mm-hmm. one that is always comfortable for the person receiving it. Like it is, no. it's there was, there, like I said, there's a lot of levels that this performance works on. Like it can hit on a lot of different things and a lot of different experiences. And it's just, whew. and this is her first episode like it's her first of 12. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to see a lot of her over the next uh, six years. And it's just like, damn
1: yeah, when when my dad passed, we um we found some of his old like just loose leaf papers and journals and stuff, things that had survived his 80 moves and ended up at my uncle's house and stuff. And he even had writings that were like this about my sister and I.
2: Yeah. Yeah, something very there's something very like hauntingly um I don't even know the right way to describe it, but like like that thing of of treating the child as the answer to all their problems
1: uh parentifying
2: yeah like like because you in that moment you're seeing the child in the mother like mm-hmm. you're seeing the scared little girl that is occupying this role of mother but is now taking the like it's just oh boy it's a whole it's thing. a whole thing and it's mm-hmm. masterfully done and again the music works perfectly and i th- again i think Maura matches her like beat for beat and is a perfect scene partner for her. Like, I don't think there other than maybe, you know, Mark and David green. Like, I don't know that there's a better parent child cast pairing on the show than these two. Like it is just, it's so you can't look away from it. And I
1: don't, I don't know if I somehow missed it or tuned it out in our audio clips earlier, but and I feel so bad if I did, but did we get the thing where Abby says I can't do this? I can't. Be yeah. Waiting. Or like the oh, the oh, here we go. You know, you're gonna be, you're gonna have your head in my oven, or worse, like dead in my bathtub thing. I don't think we got the. I don't audio think we got that, that
0: specific one because it was short. It was a short scene. I'm, I'm
1: just gonna say like that is the other end of it where it's like you're doing this soothing and you know like because you want you love them and you want them to feel okay in this moment, but the flip side is. You're also again protecting yourself because you know those high highs and low lows, and you know the cycles. You are you are scared to death that this is going to be the the thing that totally flips the switch if you don't right. handle it right,
2: and then you'll have to live with that forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh boy,
0: I'm going to give this one a nine out of ten. Yeah. Just because I think they could have dialed back. That the abuse storyline, just a tad. I think that they went a bit too far. Yeah, I would have, I it, would have like, just,
2: I think the twist is unnecessary. I think you should have just yeah. done a straight abuse storyline. I think I would have just had it be that the father was beaten on the girl and, and leave it at that. Like we didn't. And Luca gets her some help
0: and gets her out of the home or something right. like that. Have a little bit more of a positive ending right? to yeah. that just versus do- presumably she's going to have this child at age 13.
2: Yeah. It just it didn't need all the extra like fluff on it. It was just yeah. a little too much. But the rest of it is solid. T- some of the best work you'll see on this show ever. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe the most dense episode of the entire run up until now, and maybe bar none because there's just so much of what happens in this episode matters.
1: And yet, not the hardest notes I've had to take. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely give it a nine out of ten as well. It just this is one that yes, it's hard for me, but. It's so cathartic as well. Yeah. And everybody does such a good job for all of it, so. And you did a great job processing your feelings <laughs> with us tonight. I, I hope everybody appreciated the overshare and it wasn't too much. Please feel free to DM me some feedback for future episodes, because we're going to be dealing with a lot of Maggie and I want to make sure that it's, mm-hmm. that it's, entertaining is the wrong word, but informative and worth listening to. Right. Right and not just you know yay lauren gets to process her feelings on mike for three hours but rather you know that it's contributing to the show i mean again i think as you're going
2: to see in these listener responses you're going to get to there is a lot of people that are in your same boat who have a maggie in their lives in one form or another and this is revisiting this storyline is going to be cathartic for a lot of people i think
0: well lauren what the listeners have to say about that
1: all right uh David L. says, props to Sally Field for playing a pretty believable portrayal of someone who is bipolar, and it really helps us understand why Abby is the way she is. Can anything go right in Abby's life? Brittany L. says, as someone that lives with bipolar disorder, type 2, so I don't experience mania, mostly depression and hypomania in small doses, personally. Lauren's note, I'm not aware of which type my dad had. Um, This will always be one of the best portrayals of the symptoms of the disorder throughout the series and TV and movies in general, in my opinion. Sally Field did such an amazing job that it's almost uncomfortable for me to watch at some points. Katie H. says, When I watched this the first time, I could have sworn that was my estranged half-sister in the place of Maggie. As a family member of someone with bipolar disorder, I can feel Abby's pain, mainly the reason we're estranged, her choice, not mine. I absolutely love what they do with Sally Field in this storyline, and I'm always so excited to see her. Jamie H. says... Hell yeah, Sally Field. Sorry in advance because I'm sure this episode will draw a lot of comments, but I just have to jump in because the Maggie arc solidified my existence as an ER superfan at the ripe old age of 16. I had watched a few episodes of season 5 and 6, so I was vaguely familiar with the show. But I can clearly remember seeing an article in the arts section of my local newspaper detailing Sally Field's upcoming guest appearances and thinking, wow, I really need to watch that. Well, that was it. Her scenes throughout her run on the show, particularly those with Maura Tierney, completely blew me away. They both played their roles in a range of emotions so well, from Maggie's cycles of mania and depression to Abby's struggles to find the balance between empathy and self-preservation. I already loved Maura from News Radio and Liar Liar, and I remember being so impressed at how well she could do drama. These episodes made me fall in love with ER to the point where I've rewatched the entire series multiple times. And maybe even pointed me towards my career in nursing. What can I say? I just wanted to be Abby Lockhart. I am so excited that we've reached this point in the show and so happy that I read the Sally Field article way back in 2000. Can't wait to dive into these episodes. Rodney C says It's kind of funny that two great actresses from one of the best sitcoms of the 90s, News Radio, got a chance to showcase their amazing acting chops on ER. Condi and Mara are both so great. What's crazy to Candy, sorry, Candy and Maura are both so great. What's crazy to me is doing these two huge plots in the same episode. I'm not mad about it, but it's a lot to take.
2: I always forget that that they're both uh, like they're they were co-stars, like they interacted a lot on News Radio, but their characters never have a reason to interact on ER. Like I always forget that there's crossover there, Uh, and more people should watch News Radio. It's great. It's one of the only shows that can make both Joe Rogan and Andy Dick likable. So fucking watch it
1: nice uh stephanie k says i forgot how triggering this episode in this arc is having a mentally ill parent to this extent has so many lifelong consequences with all that said i love the way they present this issue i think it's something that people need to see especially the later episodes when maggie is healthy and thriving At about bunnies says this is an incredible episode but damn is it hard to watch As someone who grew up with an unpredictable, needed caretaking, sometimes volatile parent, albeit in a different way than Maggie is, I understand Abby so much in this episode and this whole arc. I remember watching this for the first time and just crying and wondering why I was having such a strong reaction. I get it now. I don't know if this is one of the first times the impact of significant parental mental illness on an adult child had been shown on TV or not, but it was certainly the first time I had ever seen it. Sally Field and Maura Tierney knock these scenes, this arc, this relationship, out of the park every time. It's just amazing to watch. Mara has spoken in several interviews about the impact working with Sally had on her and that several- oops- and that she learned so much from her. And she's also said once you see Maggie, you understand Abby's character, why she's so buttoned down and emotionally closed off, etc. That understanding is so apparent already, even in the first episode of this arc. Abby's, hi mom, the scene with the money for the bus ticket, and especially the last scene on the L platform, masterclasses from both Sally and Maura. And I always forget Maggie's arrival and Jesse's death happened in the same episode. Candy Alexander as Jackie is phenomenal. She always is, but here, just wow. Her anger when she yells at Kenesha is so painful and real, and her scream when she sees Peter walk out, covered in blood, is the most raw, pure, visceral expression of pain I have ever seen on television. I have instant chills, and it makes me cry no matter how many times I see this episode. The way that moment is shot is pretty incredible, too. It's so effective to have us hear Jackie scream before we see her step into frame and cling to Peter. wow, wow. Wow. And last but certainly not least, the full-time dad says, I know everyone's going to say, "Ooh, the Sally Field episode." And rightfully, don't get me wrong, she brings it. But Eric LaSalle and K- Candy Alexander absolutely nailed every note of the tragedy involving Jesse. Her scream haunts my very soul whenever I see a blood-drenched Peter s- slowly saunter into the waiting room. And can we also give Michael Michelle her flowers because damn, she was also or because she was also damn good. This was black excellence, damn it. It was also where I officially got off the Malucci train. His insensitivity ratcheted up to the nth degree to start the episode. His line, I thought he was just some banger, cut deep. As a black man, I know what it's like to be assumed a gangster simply because of how you look or what you wear. And yes, I've seen it impact healthcare firsthand. So, y'all can save the Malucci love for another episode. Don't worry, Aaron, we're not giving it this one. Um... (laughs) Peter had every right to rock him and briefly take back the ER Golden Glove title from Luca the Croatian Killer Kovac. Oh my God. (laughs) Jesus Christ, man. Are you kidding me? Aaron, I needed that tonight. Thank you. Holy shit. Goes on to say, Beyond this storyline, the visit is absolutely masterful on so many fronts. I'll let others wax poetic about Sally, Maura, and Laura. Well, that was fun to say. And to talk about Corday's disastrous and botched spinal surgery. This episode, in my eyes, is where Eric LaSalle was robbed of an Emmy Award.
2: The no end. kidding. Fucking Eric LaSalle deserved an Emmy, no- at least a nomination okay. for this episode.
1: And Aaron, thank you for, for those insights. Like you said, I know that we have there was going to be a lot more of a powerhouse reaction to Sally Field's appearance. So thank you for giving uh, Eric and Co the love they deserve for this episode.
0: All right, that's going to wrap up our episode for today. Thanks thanks for sticking with us.
1: Holy shit, Ooh, yes. thanks for
0: Not only thank you for listening, but thanks for just sticking with us. We love you all. <laughs> uh, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash sanatownpodcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each weekend. For only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. And over 50 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and who's fixer those, where Lauren reads some ER fan fiction. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com sign the tone podcast, and we are at sign the tone podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official sign the tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel, where can folks find you at?
2: They can find me on Instagram at dan.u that is y-o-u dot e-l They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Laura, where can folks find you at besides the tattoo shop?
1: Uh, I was going to say, folks can find me just relentlessly posting photos of my new Brewster tattoo on my personal Twitter at lobob92345 also full of cats and pro-union sentiments. Huzzah.
0: It's a character from Animal Crossing in case anyone is curious. Uh, go, can, go
1: look at my in, at my Twitter to find ex- out. Exactly. Duh.
0: There you go. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, I'm at random gamer, that's G A M three R. Thanks again everyone very much for listening. Please join us again next time. Have a great week.